as both Mark and David have reminded us, we've started, we're now 12 days into our 100 days of prayer. And uh, on the Sundays, we are looking at passages which highlight what happens when people pray and turn to God. And tonight I have been given a um, passage from the book of Two Kings, and I'm going to read some verses from you. I really need you to read these with me, um, not out loud, but just because you're going to need to know what's going on. So turn to page 330, and we are going to read some verses from Two Kings, chapter 23, starting at first first verse, I'm going to read verses 1 to 7, and then 21 to 25. I'm missing out lots of difficult words in the middle. Then the king sent, and he was King Josiah, and all the elders of Judea and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined in the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, and for the host of heaven. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and round Jerusalem. And also all, and those also who had burned incense to Baal to the sun and the moon and the constellations and all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the Asherah. And going on to verse 21... And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel or during the days of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor did any arise like him. Uh, nor did any like him arise after him. So this is quite a challenging story and challenging passage. And in order to remind us all 
who maybe want to know a little bit more about what happened before this, we're going to flick between chapter 22 and chapter 23, which is why I said I want you to have your Bibles and to follow them, um, to get out of the story of King Josiah as much as we can to challenge us and to encourage us um, to give us some real practical thoughts, I hope, um, and lessons as we as a church family engage in really seeking after God for this awakening that we're praying for. So going back to the beginning of chapter 22, we discover that Josiah was only a small child. He was eight years old when he became king. And he inherited the throne from his father, so he will have grown up as a king with all the challenges and pressures that that will have meant for him. I watched a little bit of the, the um, dramatization about Victoria. I don't know if any of the rest of you have seen that recently. Some of it was being shown again over Christmas. And, you know, just the way that she, as a young woman, a teenager, became queen, and how she was, uh, so many different people wanted to have their say. So many different people wanted to influence her. And to, you know, she was pulled between officials and family. And, you know, it wasn't easy so for Josiah, as an eight-year-old, he won't have had an easy time. And yet it's clear that as he grows up, and when this story really kicks in, he's about 26. So he's a young man, and he's become king, and he's acting as king and wanting to do his very best to rule. And we discover an extraordinary truth about what happens. Josiah... In, ver, in his 18th year of his reign, this, I'm reading chapter 22, verse 3. So this is the top of the right-hand column of page 329. King, the king sent Shapnan, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And he gives an instruction because there's work going on and he wants to make sure that the workmen are being paid and that the work is being done and that the house of the Lord is being restored and kept right and everything about it is, is good. And that's a very worthy and important thing. It reminds me a little bit of when we did a lot of work a number of years ago now to restore and renovate and repair this church building, which was all good. But the extraordinary thing in this story is that when the king's secretary, Shapnan, goes to the high priest, the high priest tells him this, verse 8, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And the high priest gives it to the king's secretary and he reads it. And he comes to the king and he reports to the king in verse 9, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house, have delivered it into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then, this, then Shapnan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shapnan read it before the king. King Josiah, as a young man, was doing his best to rule his kingdom. And as part of that, he was investing into the house of the Lord. He recognized the importance and the value of God's house and their role as God's people. But they didn't realize something incredibly important had been overlooked. 
They were doing good things, but they had missed the main point. They had forgotten that the law of the Lord, the Bible, even existed. It had probably been put in a safe place and somebody had forgotten where they put it. And nobody, it seems, had even noticed that the people of Israel were no longer reading and following God's word. Now, we've just moved house this week. Uh, many of you will have noticed a, a, a removal van outside the rectory door on Thursday and Friday. And so in preparation for that, we have been doing a lot of sorting and clearing. David's talked a bit about that. I've been doing a lot of sorting and clearing too. And it's extraordinary the things you discover when you empty a house, especially when you've lived there for almost 19 years. And, uh, you know, one of the girls said to me, oh, I think all my stuff has gone. And I said, if you look on the back of your bedroom door, you might find a wedding dress. Important things get left behind. And one of the things that I discovered was I was going through a filing cabinet. And at the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet, right at the back of the filing cabinet, I found a file. The filing cabinet used to belong to my mother. I'm going to tell the story even though she's here. And inside that file was her certificates from when she qualified as a teacher. And if she ever wanted to go back and be a teacher, she would need those important bits of paper. <laughs> We're going to send her back to work. But the, the point I'm making is that actually sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And in Josiah's day, the people of Israel were thought they were following God, but they weren't even reading his word and they weren't obeying his law and the country had got into the most incredible mess. Going back to look at the passage in verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. So Shapnan the secretary reads to the king from the word of the Lord and Josiah's reaction and response is immediate and it's very dramatic. He is filled with horror and remorse because he realizes quite how far the people have turned away from God's law and God's ways. And in response to that, he calls them together as the passage that I read to us. So we're now turning over the page to go back to page 330. Isn't it good that we've all got the same Bibles in front of us and you can follow where I'm going? So in page 330, beginning of the passage that we are focusing on this, more, this evening, we have um, the king sending for and all the people gathering, the great and the small, all of the people from um, the men of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, everybody was called together to come to meet with the king at the house of the Lord for this sig really significant moment where he was in a sense saying, I'm taking a stand. We are moving forward from this point onwards. And what Josiah did was he read again to the people from the word of the Lord. He read out the commandments of the Lord. And then he said, we have failed. I need myself as an individual and also as your king to make a covenant with the Lord that from now we will continue and start afresh to keep his commandments and to walk in his ways 
and to obey his word and to obey his law. So Josiah as king and also as a man, as an individual, made that choice for himself. He responded to the challenge of God's word and he said, from now on, this is how I'm going to live. And all the people responded and followed him. They followed the lead that he gave them. They took the opportunity that they were given and they went for it. But they didn't just pray a prayer and say they repented of how, bad, how they turned away from the Lord, but they took action. And the actions that Josiah took, and I read some of them to you, are a little bit random in our culture. We don't quite understand their significance. But effectively what happened was Josiah chose to remove and destroy all the things that had distracted God's people from God's word. So it comes down in so many different ways to things like who was in charge, who were they worshipping, what were they doing, how were they behaving. He destroyed and put beyond use all the symbols of other gods that they had worshipped. He deposed people who had been leading worship for other gods. He stopped the practice of sexual immorality. He took a stand and said, We are not going to do this anymore. We are not going to live like this anymore. From now on, we are returning to our first love for the Lord. We are God's people. We are in covenant relationship with him, and we're going to stick in that direction. We're going to go forward together. He took down all the high places. He took out of the temple the different things that were symbols of worshipping other gods. And Josiah didn't just use words, but he used actions as well. And he understood the things that were important, all the ways that they had compromised, all the ways that they'd fallen short of God's standards by worshipping other gods, by investing their money into things that were about bringing glory to other gods that were just the sun and the moon or that were um, fake fake false gods, but had become somehow more comfortable or more attractive than the one true God. And worshipping God is not always comfortable, but it is always good. And the challenge for us in our society is to make sure that we are so guided by the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that we are following in his direction and that we don't deviate from it. Now, as you know, well, next Sunday is our last Sunday. I will be sneaking back in because I'm going to continue to work a number of hours each week for the community association, primarily in terms of trying to fundraise for the salaries that we need to keep in place. Um, So I will be around maybe at worship rooms or a few things like that. I'll be here for Kingdom Women. We're having Kingdom Women here on the 21st of March. This is my little chance to plug and the tickets are available from the New Wine office so please come and see me then. Um, But this is the last time I'm going to be preaching as the rector's wife. Maybe in the future another rector will let me come back as the bishop's wife. You never know and I can't assume. So I want to say a few things to you. I'm guessing David's going to say a lot next Sunday but I want to say a few things to you. Um, You know what it's like when you get the chance to say something or to write something. I remember um, when our girls got married, both their hen weekends, mothers and fathers were invited to send them a note, and I did that. 
And it was great to think about things I really wanted to say. And so as I've prepared to talk to you this evening, there's a few things I really want to say to you. It basically comes down to don't forget the essentials. Please don't lose sight of the things that God has put into us as a church family. We want to make sure that we keep God's word absolutely central. Make sure if you're a a volunteer in our youth programs or in our children's programs, that you never stop telling people the good news of Jesus as found in the Bible. If you lead a life group, make sure that you study the Bible. Don't just read commentaries, which can be great, or nice devotional readings that are superb and encouraging, but make sure that you for yourself read and know God's Bible. As we were worshipping this evening and we were thinking about, one of the songs were lots of different um, references to stories from the Bible. And if you don't know your Bible, you don't understand the God that you're worshipping. And we need to understand and never lose sight of the importance and the centrality and the significance of knowing and reading for ourselves and choosing to understand God's word. Secondly, please don't forget that God has placed Willowfield Church here in this particular community. For many years, when we first came here, we held to the slogan, in the community, for the community. It is, I don't believe, an accident that God encouraged people, inspired people to buy this bit of land and plant a church here before there were even houses in this now what are the streets around. Somebody had the vision, somebody was willing to hear God and listen to God and put a church building here to minister to and reach out to the people who in future generations would come and live around here. We are called to be God's church in this community for this community. But we are also called to care for each other and to look out for each other and to make sure that the needs of those uh, practical, spiritual, physical are met. And that's one of the reasons why when we came here, something like the Community Association, WPCA, was set up to enable the church to be that outreach arm into helping and connecting with this community. But please also remember that we serve a God who speaks today. And we need to be people who expect to hear and be guided by and listen to the voice of God. We serve a God who performs miracles today. And we need to be praying and expecting and wanting to hear the stories of what God is doing. We serve a God who heals today. We want to see and hear more and more stories of God's healing power and grace in people's lives. We want to be people of the word and people of the spirit. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you are telling the stories of what God is doing. I want to make sure that we hear, David and I, the stories of what God is continuing to do more and more in this community. Please don't forget the essentials of what God is doing in your life and through your life and keep that focus, that DNA, as it were, of who God is absolutely at the center. Because if you don't, 
And the bishop will come back and cause a fuss. And it's not nice when he does that. I just want to quickly read some verses from Ephesians chapter 4, which is on page 978. So you've got to flick on quite a long way. Because it really struck me that in the way Josiah, just in the same way that Josiah put out a challenge to his people about following God's covenant and walking in his ways and obeying his word, in the New Testament, we have Paul's letter, which in a sense says some of the same things. I'm just going to read this and I'm going to try and stop myself from commenting too much. But I'm reading from verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I think that's a picture the, the passage is called, is headed, the new life. It's a picture of what God wants to do in us, in his church and through us, when we follow after his ways. And in Josiah's day, he recognized and called the people to repentance because they had turned away from God's ways. And when they responded and came back to God, Josiah's own life was described as a king like whom there was no other. There was no one else who kept God's commandments and kept going after God's heart. And you know, our prayer and our longing for our own lives, but also for this church, is that we would be known as people who search after God, that our city and our community would become characterized by as people who search after and follow the heart of God. And that passage from Ephesians, it seems to me, says exactly the same thing, and just in slightly different words. It says, if you behave like this, if you choose to live like this, if you choose not to be angry, not to slander each other, not to gossip, not to, not to, not to, then our lives will reflect more and more the beauty and the loveliness of Jesus. And that's 
what attracts other people to him. I'm going to pray for us now that God would do that in each one of our lives. Father, we long to be people who lead others to Jesus and that our lives would reflect something of your beauty and holiness and attractiveness and that others would notice that and want to find out for themselves more about you. We don't want to be people who forget what we know, who forget the difference that you've made in our lives, who don't recognize that we've somehow forgotten to look to you for meaning and purpose and hope, that we're going through motions of being church, of looking after buildings, maybe looking after each other, but not actually following after your ways. And I pray that in this next season, these next 88 days of the 100 days of prayer, we would see you work in amazing ways and it's this season of awakening for us in Willowfield and for the other four churches and right across this city would have an exceedingly significant and profound impact in our community. But I pray too, Lord, that we would never become people who forget you and that as a church we would recognize the importance of following after your ways, re remembering who you've called us to be and remembering the God that we serve and that we love and become more and more available to you, for you to work in us and through us and to perform signs and wonders in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.